What's good, everybody, and welcome to the next installment of YouTube and Chill. I hope you all enjoyed the last episode about the Uvalde school shooting. Well, I mean, not enjoyed, but you get what I'm saying. I uh, hope everyone had a great time bringing in the new year. And yes, by having a great time, I also mean uh, sitting home and being in bed by 10 p.m. So I hope that was great for you. Uh, more importantly, I hope everyone is safe, happy, and healthy. Uh, in this episode of YouTube and Show, we'll take a look at the 2013 documentary called Lost for Life. Uh, it was distributed by Snag Films and directed by Joshua Rolfe. Uh, tackles the question of whether minors who commit a violent crime should spend the rest of their life in prison. Now, the full documentary, which is about an hour and 15 minutes long, uh, uninterrupted, can be found on YouTube, and I'll leave a link uh, for the full video in the description. The full video discusses four cases of juvenile murder. Uh, Jacob Ind, uh, he was 15 when he killed his mother and his stepfather. Uh, Sean Taylor... Uh, he was 17 when he uh, killed a rival gang member in a drive-by shooting. Uh, 16-year-old Josiah Ivey uh, killed two strangers in their home. And uh, the ones that we're going to be talking about today are Brian Draper and Tori Adamchik. Uh, they were both 16 at the time of their crime, uh, and they were obsessed with the movie Scream. They stabbed and killed their, their classmate, Cassie Jo Stoddart, in an attempt to bring their own version of Scream to life. Now... I have condensed this episode uh, as we're just going to be discussing Brian Draper and Tori Adamchik, and I've added uh, additional footage from their home video recordings uh, leading up to the murder. I do suggest eventually watching the original documentary uh, in full, but again, we'll just be talking about the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddard uh, by the hands of Brian Draper and Tori Adamchik. And let me know in the comments if uh, they should be allowed to receive a reduced sentence uh, based solely on their age at the time of their crime. Uh, I will be posting this episode in both audio and visual format. So for the listeners, uh, if you want to watch the video, you can pull it up online or go on your Patreon app. And for the voyeurs like me, uh, you can also listen to the episode while you're driving to work or voyeuring through your neighbor's window, uh, whichever. Um, so let's go ahead and get into this episode. Hello, this is a collect call from an inmate from the Bannock County Jail. Hello? How you doing? All right, sweetheart, how are you? Uh, not too good. I know, baby. I have to come home. I have to come home. Baby, I, I know that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you're going to have to stay strong. Are you saying your prayers? Yeah, but Mom, I want to come home. Baby? I promise you that we're working on that, okay? I we, promise we you. Huh? We talk to come home. Sweetheart. Can you try? Honey, we're trying everything we can. I promise you. We're trying everything we can. There's nothing more in the world than I want my, my boy home with me. Okay? We're doing everything we can here. You know how much I love you, baby. Prosecutors are trying to get me quiet with no problem. Huh? All right, so real quick, uh, one theme you're going to find throughout this uh, video is how blissfully unaware uh, both of their parents are. Um, it's like they, they've separated themselves so far away from the horrific crimes that their children have committed, uh, basically grasping for the more minute details that will make them believe that their sons are innocent. Um, another thing is, like, whose mom talks to their teenage son this way? Uh, like, I get telling your kids that you love them, but there actually comes a time when the goo-goo, gaga talk just becomes a little icky. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's just me. Um, I was really uncomfortable, like, listening to that phone call. Uh, like, picturing my mom, like, speaking to me that way as a teenager, like, Mom, chill, you know what I mean? Like, you're wearing me out. And how about some accountability? You know what I mean? Like, Brian Draper is 
uh, begging his mom to get him out of jail. Like, oh, we're trying everything we can, baby, sweetie, honey pie, whatever the fuck she's saying. Uh, how about Brian? Uh, you just confessed to brutally stabbing and killing a 16-year-old girl. Uh, there's not much we can do right now. Um, you know, I don't get this whole kid glove, like, shit. Like, now, face the music, accept the accountability for, for what you've done. And, like, both, like, both, both parents and, like, like, everybody plays a role in this. All right? All right. Enough. It's not rambling there. Sorry. I do that sometimes. Should minors who commit murder be sentenced to life without parole? This is a crucial question the Supreme Court is going to be deciding tomorrow. The 38 states currently allow life without parole for minors who commit murder. But is it constitutional? So the court comes to a fork in the road. Make a complete ban on life without parole for adolescents or set an age limit. Many lives hang in the balance. Their brains are not fully developed. They will change. They will grow. Is this something that we can judge them for for the rest of their lives? After Barr was questioned by police, he was charged with a 12-year-old's murder. Anyone knows to come up with a gun so nobody else hears it has a mind of an 18-year-old. I think everyone is more than the worst thing they've ever done. Uh, and I think that policymakers can make decisions about how to punish them. But I think children are uniquely uh, more than their worst act. They have quintessential qualities and characteristics that a decent society, a maturing society, an evolved society, uh, we believe, is constitutionally obligated to recognize and protect. Valid points, I guess. High school is a very hard time. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea where I f fit in among my peers. And I thought that I was a nobody at my high school, and I I wanted to be known, and so I tried all these different identities, and I couldn't, uh, you know, you know, find an identity that I could uh, not be pushed out of, I guess. Uh, so, if you haven't figured it out by now, Brian Draper, this uh, young man here, uh, he has a stuttering problem. Uh, which gets worse the more like stress he gets and uh, when he's talking about the cer certain situations and subject matter. But I get what he's saying, you know. When I was in high school, you know, I was, I guess you could say I was considered popular. You know, I, I played sports, I did football, all that kind of stuff. But even I, like, struggled with my identity. Like, like who... Who did I want to be? Who, who, you know, I think everybody kind of like goes through a little bit of that, you know, regardless of, of where you are and, and for the lack of a better term, like the, ec the echelon of high school students, you know what I mean? So, you know, even though I, like I had a lot of friends, you know, went to parties and all this other kind of stuff, like there was a sense of me that didn't quite feel like they fit in. You know what I mean? Like, who am I? You know, like, there's a lot of, a lot of questions like that, especially like, you know, like, I can't speak for teenage girls, but teenage boys, you're you're growing into uh, basically a man, and like it, it's strange trying to figure out your new world, so to speak. You know, high school, puberty, you know, interest in girls, and like all this other kind of stuff. So, so when he's explaining, you know, like like he was trying to search, trying different identities to see which ones stick and like I, I totally get that and you know if there's you know other people out there you know let me know in the comments like if you like your high school years are fucking awkward as fuck um, regardless of, of of like I said what level of you know popularity or whatever you are in school so yeah anyway again rambling sorry apologize here we go so I got into Columbine. We saw these two kids. They were they were white and they 
are reported to have gone off. Upwards of a dozen people were injured. They're running out of the Columbine kind of created a subculture for disenfranchised, uh, you know, kids who don't fit in anywhere. I saw at the time they transcended their high school for the hour that they did what they did. They were in the spotlight. And that- now, he's not wrong when he's describing Columbine like as being the mecca, for lack of a better term, uh, for, as he says, disenfranchised kids. You know what I mean? Uh, Columbine was a catalyst for pretty much every school shooting that has followed since then. Uh, It was arguably one of the most publicized events of this magnitude uh, in nature, and and hundreds, if not thousands of kids uh, look to this event as what could be for them. You know what I mean? Like, the spotlight is finally on them. Uh, Everyone across the country and possibly the world will know who I am. You know, the separation between what they have done and what they have become is is vast, you know? Like, oh my God, you you committed all these horrible, like, murders. But yet you're you're on every single fucking news channel across the world. You know what I mean? So it's like that notoriety is like outweighs the tragedy that you just fucking committed. You know what I mean? Excuse me. Uh, so you're like a celebrity of sorts to the other troubled kids uh, that are, that are trying to navigate their fucking this world, so to speak. Um, now, numerous attempts in actual like school shootings have been uh, inspired specifically by Columbine, uh, known simple, simply as the Columbine effect. Uh, Adam Lanza, for example, um, our next episode on Criminal AF, uh, he committed the, the Sandy Hook school shootings. Uh, he was known to have like uh, notes and 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 kind of like uh, online searches of all of the, the school shooters in Columbine, uh, Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris. Uh, also, the, the the shooter of the Parkland High School back in 2018 out there in Florida. Um, he. Uh, what was his name? Nicholas Cruz. You know, he killed like 17 uh, students and teachers. Uh, he also had like this obsession with with Klebold and Harris and Columbine and everything like that. Like these shootings, like uh, the inspiration from uh, you could call it inspiration has, has isn't just the United States. Like it's spread out the United States, granted, but it's also in Canada. It's in Mexico, Poland, Russia, um, all these like young mass killers uh, have some sort of connection to Columbine, whether it's in their notes and their journals, online searches, uh, you know, videos, whatever. You know, it, it, there's there's some sort of connection to this, and and they've basically become the pariahs of, like he says, the disenfranchised children. Uh, so I get, I totally get what he's saying. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be in the spotlight. I've watched this video like a few a few times and every time I watch it it always hits me in the feels a little bit you know because knowing how fragile life is and it could be taken at any given moment you know whether you know in a car accident falling down the stairs crossing the street uh whatever you know it, it could be over just like that heart attack whatever and you know Cassie is going about her normal day in school feeling like she has the rest of her life ahead of her and and full of opportunity and marriage and kids and, and, and all this other kind of shit. And, but in 13 hours, she's going to be stabbed and killed. Like by the hand of her so-called friend who's now videotaping her like, like nothing's fucking happened. Now, like he's, he's speaking to her like everything's per- perfect. Like, hey, Cassie, what's going on? Have you seen fucking Tori? Oh, you know, and she's like, no. It's totally disassociated with the reality in this very moment that they're planning to fucking kill her. Like they know they already have this planned out. Like they know I'm going to kill you. And he's like, yo, yo, what's up? What's up, Cassie? You know, 
like separating the reality to the fantasy of of what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, talking before where the school shooters, you know, they got the notoriety. They got the like, oh, this is how this is how I fantasize myself uh, being portrayed, you know, after doing this. When in reality, you're killing children. You know what I mean? Like young children. As you start, I think the first memory I have of her is uh, we were joking around in class and uh, she was smiling. And that's uh, the, the image I have in my mind now is I you know, can't get that out of my mind. And uh, oh, man, that's hard to talk about. I, Uh, but in the beginning, uh, she was just a nice person and, uh, she, you know, uh, sorry. I was attracted to her and I thought, uh, she was a special person, but she started going out with, uh, this other kid I knew in high school and it, it, it kind of struck me hard and I was like, Okay, so, you know, I am a loser. Wait, have you seen Tori? He's supposed to be here at 7.30, and it's 8.19. He's an hour late. You, you don't even care, do you? <laughs> okay. I met Tori Adamchick in sophomore year. He started talking about the movie Scream, how it'd be cool to actually do a Scream type crime. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, have you ever, you know, thought about that? Not really. I mean, I've thought about other things like, uh, you know, Columbine. Uh, and he really wasn't into that. And I was like, well, I could either be alone or I could uh, you join his plan and uh, you be with him and, and you know not be alone alright so coming up here right here we're going to be meeting Tori and uh, in a couple of minutes and I'm going to hold off on my comments about him for now but I want you to just take note of his interview and see if there's anything that stands out just a kind 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 person who meticulously planned out and carried out a horrific and brutal murder like i'm i'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it here um but you can actually see a difference in between Brian and Tori and how they hold themselves accountable for the murder Brian openly uh like details the events and what led up to them while while Tori accepts no accountability for the role he played um like, this was Tori's movie, so to speak. You know, like, he was the one that was obsessed with Scream, and he was wanting to create a real-life version uh, of, of the movie, and, like, he basically schemed the entire thing. Uh, Brian, you know, chose Cassie because, you know, maybe he was a little bit jealous. You know, we, we, we heard that he had a, he had a crush on, on Cassie, but she chose somebody else, so there could have been a little bit of jealousy there, so they're like, oh, let's make Cassie the fucking, uh, like, the victim. But there were, there were others on the list as well. Like, they, they had an entire killing spree planned out. Now, you'll see how Tori and even his parents continuously try to distance themselves uh, away from Brian in the murder. 
Like, I just happened to be there. I didn't know he was going to do it. It was meant to be a joke. Like, I'm a great guy, blah, 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 blah. But the evidence showed that there were two knives used in the murder. Uh, two knives covered in Cassie's blood. Two different patterns in her wounds. Like, two different stabbing patterns, meaning two different killers. Like, two people doing it. So, like, by him saying, oh, I was, I was just there, I, I whatever. No, you fucking participated. This was your idea. This was your plan. Neither of them were just there. They both carried it out. So for them to f say like, oh, no, Tori is such a good, good. He's, he's, he's so nice and he's a perfect little gentleman and all this other kind of stuff. And and Tori basically saying, oh, you know, I didn't really want this to happen and blah, blah. No, you're both fucking delusional. And we're still a family. He's still every bit as much a part of our family as before. I remember the first article I read about my case. Jeez, I mean, they made me sound like this brutal, cold, psychopathic killer. They were talking about Brian. You, they were making you just like they Brian. Made, they made, they put us like as the same person. They lumped them together. I only hung out with him for six weeks before this happened. I think it's crazy how the last week of me being on the street, being free, really has affected the rest of my life. If you were to watch that video and nothing had happened, it would literally be a joke. It'd be a joke. As he's filling out a death list. I don't know if it was my, it was probably my fault and I should have seen it, but I just, he did not seem capable of something like this and it completely caught me off guard. I was just in... I don't know, I just couldn't believe it. We're going for a high death count. We're not going not to get caught. Alright, so this was the home video that I was telling you about. I added to this to this clip. Now it's mostly just like strange rants about religion and how evil only exists because people believe in God. Uh but there's moments where they name off a few people and and stalk their houses and like it's kinda lengthy but worth the watch to learn more about the psyche of teenagers and their possible disassociation with reality. Oh, Brian, if we're going for guns, we're just going to end it. We're just going to uh, grab the guns and get out of there and kill everybody in the lake. We're going to make history. We're going to make history. For all you FBI agents watching this, <laughs> Uh, you weren't quick enough. You weren't quick enough, and you weren't smart enough. All right, real quick. I can already tell that these dudes are psychopaths because what 16-year-olds listen to classical music in their car? Like, you might as well add that to the serial killer triad. Like, animal torture, bedwetting, arson, and classical music. And we're going over to Danny's house. We're, we're going to go snoop around over there and try to see if she's home alone or not. And if she's home alone... Splat! Oh, she did. Don't put your humor into this, Brian. Uh, I, I'm not putting you over into it. Yeah. Also, take note of the interactions between the two. People will die. And then memories will fade. Memories will fade. Huh. I wonder what movie you got that from, Brian. Myself. <laughs> that was for myself. No wonder it was so lame. Okay, we're on our way, and I'm gonna. Stay tuned. We're almost there. Nixon's house. It's clear out there in the pasture. So he names another person. Something Dixon. Uh, I couldn't quite make it out. But like they already have like what you know, they added this person to their list. We've already snooped around her house a couple times. Uh it just she's not at home, so we're gonna go to the church over there and we're gonna call a, a girl, a guy named Cassie and Matt, they're our, our friends, but we have to make sacrifices, so. Um, I feel 
to tonight. It is the night, and I feel really weird. It, you know, it's having stomach and stuff, and I feel like I want to kill somebody. Uh, I know that's not normal, but what the hell? I feel we need to break away from normal life. How bright is this light? Because let's turn it this way. Parents, along with their parents, along with their parents, and so on, uh -huh. taught them that God, Jesus, the whole bullshit <laughs> line. I'm sure you guys believe in God as well. I realized when I was in seventh grade, along, you don't believe in Santa Claus or <laughs> vampires or werewolves. They're used to metaphor not to let they teach their kids back in the 1800s I learned this in English class about telling their kids that you can't go outside or a vampire will get you just to make their kids stay and do what they want to do God oh, is basically God's the order, same right? way yep. trying to get people to do good or else so called you go to hell and we're obviously going to hell if it's real, but you know, who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, and yeah. why would yeah, you but say it's not it's real? real it's right? not real, because it's so blatantly obvious it's not real. <laughs> People believe it because their parents teach them, and so it's so hard for them to let go of it because they've been taught their whole life. Yeah, I know. But fucking what the point I'm making is... We are also taught that things like killing people and uh, other thing is wrong. The only thing that it's wrong about is because it's breaking the law, and the law is only wrong. It, the law is Natural selection, there. dude. Because Natural selection, that's all I gotta say. There should be no law against killing people. I know it's a wrong thing, but... Hell, hell, you restrict somebody from it, they're gonna want it more. Exactly. Goodbye, camera. Not home. My friend's too pussy to go. They throw up another name. Again, the name's cut off, but it was like blank isn't home. My friend's too pussy to go check out the house, whatever. So now they got like two, another another victim that they're like staking out. Investigate, turn here. Why are you turning there, dude? Now we're gonna go over to Cassie and Matt's house if they're home alone. We're gonna if Cassie's out, Matt is there. Matt is there, sorry. We're gonna go we're gonna knock on the door. We'll see who's there. We'll see see we'll, we'll see if their parents are home or not. If they're home alone, we will leave our way and then we will come back in about ten minutes. We'll sneak in through the door because chances are they're probably in Cassie's room. So we'll sneak in the front door. Make a noise outside, and Matt will come out to investigate, kill him, and it'll scare the shit out of Cassie. Okay? Well, Sounds like fun. We'll stay tuned. We found our victim, and sad as it may be, she's our friend. But you know what? We all have to make sacrifices. Our first victim is going to be Cassie's daughter and her God, friends. God, turn your brights off, now this is the night before Brian had the the home video of Cassie, you know, in her locker in school. So that was like the next morning. This is the night before. So when that interaction happens, you know, like I was saying before, uh, he's so disassociated from from the act of of what they're planning to the reality of the situation. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like some sort of fantasy going on. Well, yeah, we'll find out if she has friends over. She's going to be alone in a big, dark house out in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? Like, I mean, like, holy shit, dude. I'm horny just thinking about it. Hell yeah. You heard that? Big, dark house out in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? I, I mean, like, holy shit, dude. I'm horny just thinking about it. Hell yeah. So we're gonna fucking kill her and her friends. You do you, Tori. we're gonna keep moving on. I heard some news about Kirsten. She's gonna be home alone from six to seven. Kirsten, that's four people on the list. So we might kill her, then drive over to Cassie's thing, and scare the shit out of them, then kill them one by fucking one. Hell yeah. 
why one by one? Why can't it be a slaughterhouse? Two by two and three by three? Because we gotta keep it classy. So yeah, classy. it's gonna be extra fun. You're evil. <laughs> yes, I am. So are you? No, evil, evil is an expression of God. That was another test you felt. Evil is not an expression of God. Yes, it is. It's bullshit, you know it. Evil, the of origin, is a follower of fucking Satan. There is, is no Satan. Real? Then shut then, up. Then how are we supposed to express ourselves? Good and bad. So I told, I told you earlier to kind of like take note of the conversation between the two. Brian almost seems like he's like trying to be overexcited about the situation. Uh, and, and Tori is a little bit more matter of fact. He's also a little bit more aggressive in talking to, to Brian. Like he's, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but if you, if you, if you, if you kind of like listen to it, he's very like kind of like knocks him down a couple of times, you know, basically correcting him what, on, on what to say. You can just tell that he's, he's probably the more dominant one in this friendship, and Brian's kind of like the tag along. Criminal AF would be back after this quick break. Now back to Criminal AF. We're bad. We're bad. That sounds so shitty. We're evil. That sounds hey. even shittier. We're not, okay? They were sick psychopaths. They did not get pleasure of killing other people. That sounds good, baby. We're going to go down in bad. history. We're going to be just like Scream, except real life terms. That we're sounds gonna be good, murders. baby. Like, let's see, Ted Bundy. Like the Hillside Strangler. No. The Zodiac Killer. Those people are more amateurs compared to what we're going to be. We're going to be more of higher sources of Ed Gold. Gene. Gene. <laughs> well, except for that sick of that <laughs> Oh, do you know what Ed Gene's words were? What? Saw a girl walking down the street, right? Yeah. Two questions came to his head. Hmm, I could take her out, have a nice time with her. The killer? <laughs> and show her a good her time, alive. charm the pants off her, or... I wonder what her head would look like on a <laughs> stick. Okay, I officially hate this kid because Ed Gein is not the one who who said that. Uh, it was Ed Kemper, the fucking goat. You know, so get your fucking facts straight, you fucking Nimrod. Not that I'm glor- glorifying what Ed Kemper did. He's just he's a very interesting fucking man. Oh shit! <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Murder is power, murder is freedom. I don't know if either of us would have done it if we were or alone. We fed off each other, I guess. And it was a formula for disaster in the end, you know. The time is 9.50, September 22nd, 2006. We know there's lots of doors. There, there's lots of places to hide. I locked the back doors. That's all locked. This is the night of the murders, and uh, Brian and Tori have already been to the house by at this at this point where Cassie was staying. Uh, she was actually house sitting for her aunt. Now the group, you know, they actually hang out for a, a while or watch a movie, watch TV, whatever, uh, along with Cassie and along with her boyfriend Matt. Right, so who was Brian's friend? From what I've discovered is that I don't think Tori and Matt got along very well. That was more Brian's Brian's friend. Now while there, the two asked Cassie for a tour of her of her aunt's house, and while doing so, Brian kind of you know breaks away from the group, and he goes down to the basement and he unlocks the basement door as as he was just kind of like talking about. Um, so now they have access back into the home later in the night. Now we just gotta wait. I was actually the individual who snuck downstairs and unlocked the basement door. And <laughs> it's that one choice where I was j- j- just kind of going along with it. I really didn't stop and say, why am I doing this? I just did it. And that one thing that I did, uh, you know, started this whole thing. And that's something that is hard to deal with. Um, because 
All I had to do was just not do that. And this may have never happened. incident uh i have a what they call a uh flashbulb images of that she's breathing hard and and her eyes are open and she's looking off someplace else and uh and then i i remember Tony, like, she wasn't screaming, but in my head I could hear that. And I know she she screamed before it happened to her, and uh, uh, but in my memories I have, she, she's screaming. I just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I'm I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body just disappear. Dude, I oh just killed God. Cassie. Oh, oh, fuck. That felt like it wasn't real. I mean, it went by so fast. Shut the fuck up. We gotta get our act straight. Okay. When it did happen, I was just too shocked to do anything and I just ran from it and hit. Right, when it did happen, he's saying I was too shocked to do anything and I just ran from it. I hid from it. All right. Now, remember, there were two knives used in the murder with her blood on both of them. Two different stab patterns, two different killers. OK, the evidence does not lie. Tori has zero accountability for what he did. Now, if you haven't picked up from the home video, you know, like we talked, uh, Tori is kind of like the ringleader in all of this. When he speaks up, Brian tends to listen and kind of like gives way to Tori. Like when Tori went on that whole like spiel of, of uh, good versus evil and God and, you know, laws and murder and all sort of kind of stuff. Like, you know, you could see how like Brian's kind of like going along with it. Like, OK, yeah, you know, you're you're running this show, you know, kind of thing. And like after after the killing, Tori was like, well, you shut the fuck up. We got to get our story straight. His thinking was clear, you know. While Brian was very erratic, very excited, uh, like, wow, I can't believe, like, we actually just did it. And Tori's like, chill, like, act like you murdered someone before, bro. You know, kind of like, kind of like even keeled, like, all right, let's figure this thing out now. Now that we did it, we got to, like, fucking figure out how we're going to get, you know, out of it kind of thing. Like, almost very, very calculated. Now, you know, he's going to talk about, like, someone else's mistakes and, and no, dude. This is you, bro. Accept it. Hid from it, and I made a lot of mistakes, but they were—I don't know. I just think I look at myself now, and I'm 21, and I think how stupid I was at 16, and I just think how I feel like I'm paying for somebody else's mistakes at this point. Paying for someone else's mistakes. No, that's your fucking mistake, dickhead. Brian didn't want us to know how much pain he was in. And I, he kept that very, very separate from our life with him and the family's life with him. 
He just didn't want us to know how much pain he was in. That's the thing that kept us up at night the most for the longest amount of time is trying to find, trying to remember something that we missed. We adopted Brian at birth. When I think about our relationship and how strong of a relationship we had with Brian and how good of a relationship we had with Brian, it, if you, if you walked into our house back then, we were normal. And why we didn't recognize that we had such a problem is horrific and something we still cannot bear. is subject to monitoring and recording. I just wish you would have talked to me about this before because if you had told me anything, anything. I told you that. I wanted counseling again. Tell me what, honey? I told you that I wanted counseling. You did? Yeah. Did you remember that? shit themselves with this dog don't lie uh because the first time i saw this uh that scared the living shit out of me so yeah there's that i just had an emotional visit yesterday i mean it was really hard to come here alone it's always hard to go to a prison and it's hard to walk down the, the gates and to be buzzed in and to wait and to go through the searches. And then just to imagine doing this forever until I'm dead. Everybody involved is dead except for Tori and Brian. They will outlive, you know, the prosecutors and the families and everybody. And there will be, it'll still be going on. It's just very overwhelming all the time that there's never an end in sight or it's never... It's hard to imagine how we're going to spend our life doing this. And I'm just overwhelmed today in a little bit. Um, it's just hard. by his friends. Tori is much more of a follower than a leader. Yeah, I who mean, I was at that point and who I am now, it's like totally different people. But that, who Tori was at that age, at 16, he still didn't commit this crime. Yeah, I mean, I he's mean, not saying that. that. He's not saying I'm that. Saying he has I changed. was, I made some mistakes and I learned from them. But your mistakes weren't anything that you were charged with. They weren't the murder and the conspiracy. Yeah. That was Brian. It must be harder because you're innocent to be facing it. Yeah, I guess. Watch Tori's face when his father says, that was Brian. Like, he looks away, he looks down, he looks at his mom. Like, he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he does. it's, it's, it's almost like he doesn't want them to see through the facade that he's 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 putting up and that he's actually a horrible fucking human being and it's probably their fault to be honest now he can't maintain eye contact uh once his father begins you know declaring his innocence now it's almost it's almost like either uh, his parents are manipulating the truth to make themselves feel better about the situation when Tori himself knows that 
he's a fucking murderer or that Tori is, is effectively gaslighted his parents into believing that he is completely innocent and had nothing to do with Cassie's murder. And he's in jail for just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Regardless of how you look at it, it's it's 100% toxic on, on, on all of their parts. Let's look at that again real quick. It's not. To, they weren't the murder and the conspiracy. Yeah. Watch Tori's right. face. It He's must like, be harder shit. because you're innocent to be facing it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Whatever you say, Dad. Must be harder. I watch the mother too while that's talking. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. I'm saying I was, I made some mistakes and I learned from them. I mean, she kind of like looks at him too, like, what the fuck are you talking about? They weren't the murder and the conspiracy. Yeah. That was Brian. It must be harder because you're innocent to be facing it. Yeah, I guess. Like his face was right, right there. It was like, yeah, I guess, Dad. Um, sure, let's just keep believing, believing that. Let's keep believing that it was all Brian's fault. Yep, I'm, I'm good with that. It's not unusual that he would, uh, you know, have that response in his uh, your parents. Uh, you having that response? I mean, it's a lot to deal with. I mean, you have to accept the uh, societal uh, brand that you are a convicted murderer. And that is a very scary term to have affixed to your name. That's, and so it's really hard. He, he wants to please his parents. He wants to uh, go home. And his kind of behavior is it's really common and it's ordinary I think um, I think what makes somebody extraordinary is when they face everything and just kind of accept it it's a hard thing to admit you know I killed Cassie Sauter I, I stabbed a 16 year old girl to death that's that's pretty hard to say when I f first got here I tried to uh, uh, blame others and I met this individual in here and uh, he asked me what happened to my crime and I told him oh I I you know I'm not exactly sure what happened I uh, you know, they, 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 they said I killed her. I'm not even sure if I did or not. And he sat me down and he's like, uh, stop giving me a whole bunch of bullshit. Okay. If you want my help, you have to completely be honest with me. And he taught me about how I owe a tremendous debt to uh, cast your starter. And the only way that I could even start uh, you paying that is to, first of all, to tell exactly what happened to her. And, and do not dishonor her in anything that you do in your life. And I've, uh, you know, I've tried that. It's very hard. It's very hard. Um, but I think that that's all I can do and I have the obligation I have to do that or I'm I'm you know a monster I guess I want to have a chance at a life. I understand that, uh, you know, Cassie can't. And I, I never ignore that, you know. She's dead and not anything is gonna change that. You know, I did something terrible and, you know, and 
that there has to be consequences for that. Uh, you know, everything we do in life, you know, there's always consequences. I don't know. I I have a lot of ambitions, and I, I mean, if I were to get out, I mean, I know exactly what I would do with my life. But being in here, that's all I have is just these. It feels like all I have is just to sit here and rot. And there's no redeeming qualities. There's nothing I can do really to alleviate any. I don't know, it's like just watching yourself decompose. It's just horrible. He's been in prison six years, and he's, he's still on his first day. You know, he hasn't progressed at all. And in the end, it's gonna hurt him in the end. You know, either psychologically, uh, if he has a conscience, or, uh, you know, in courts, you know, the, 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 they don't want to hear that you're completely innocent. Uh, you know, he's not innocent. Now, I'm sorry, like, I don't want to boost up, you know, a convicted killer, you know, unless it's Ed Kemper. Uh, but Brian Draper is here is, is spitting bars right now. Like, seriously, I'm actually impressed with how he's owning up to what he's done and how he can learn and grow and improve from a heinous crime that he committed. Uh, Tory can uh, go fuck himself with a hot curling iron. He's not. Uh, you know, I'm not innocent, I'm guilty, and he's guilty, and that's where we all should start at. dreams, bad dreams, where she was there, and just uh, graphic, uh, gruesome uh, dreams about her dying. I would wake up in the night, and I would be scared, like terrified, terrified. smiling but I always know in the dream that I killed her and those uh, dreams are, are are even worse and that's like the only thing I can do is hurt myself takes away the, uh, the pain of the, uh, just knowing what I did. I've, I've changed my opinion about uh, Brian's parents. You know, I know I bashed on the mom in the beginning of the episode, um, you know, with her baby and sweetie fucking bullshit. But these calls were relatively soon after uh, he was arrested. So, like, the first phone call was only a, a couple of days. The phone call just now was only a, f a few weeks after the fact. So, of course, they're trying to maintain hope that their son is actually innocent. I, I get it, but we've also seen them six years in and and they're more accepting of the fact that their son is a murderer, but they still love him, you know, which I guess any decent parent would like I accept they, that what you did was absolutely horrible. And maybe even I, as a parent, uh, played a role that led to this. But, you know, you're my son and I love you, you know, simple as that. So 
That was a little harsh in the beginning. I knew that the truth was, was terrible. And I was really scared of you know, coming clean. Years after this happened, we were visiting, and I was like, no, I am not as I had a part of this. I knew it was going to happen, and you know, I went along with it. And I, uh, and she was, uh, she was uh, devastated, of course. I mean, she had to accept that her son had a part in this horrible crime. Personally, seeing my, my dad cry two times, and the f first time was when I won a scholarship for a, uh, a science project I did, and the other time was when he was on the stand in court and he was crying because I hurt him so much. You parents, they they love you so much, and that you you show them this by destroying them. I got special parents. <laughs> I wish I could, could go back in time. <laughs> so it says here that in June 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, banned mandatory life sentences without parole for those under 18. Uh, it is left to the lower courts and each state to decide their fate. Upwards of 2,000 offenders were sentenced as juveniles to life imprisonment without parole, uh, and they await their decisions. All right, so this uh, this sparks a pretty pretty deep conversation on whether teens who commit violent crimes should be held in prison for the rest of their lives. Now, even 18-year-olds uh, have been proven to not have fully developed uh, brains, uh, which doesn't usually happen until, like, your early to mid-20s. So for a 16-year-old to be judged by the same rules as a gr grown adult, I mean, it can seem kind of harsh. Maybe not in the moment, you know, as emotions are, are running high, you know, and families want want justice for their loved ones. But I'm sure if a 16-year-old killed my 16-year-old, I'd want them dead. And I'd be happy to be the one to do it. But as we've seen in this case, there are two totally different perspectives by two different people who committed the same exact crime. Uh, both now in their mid-20s, uh, one is fully accountable for the pain that they caused, not only to Cassie Starr's family, but to his own as well. And while the other one, Tori, still hides from accepting their role in Cassie's murder, whether they're still trying to protect themselves or protect their family from fully knowing the truth that their son masterminded and helped commit the murder of a young girl. So my, my opinion on this whole thing is that a teenager should not receive a mandatory life sentence with no parole. Like, yes, they, they should be punished uh, severely for committing a, a violent crime, and maybe a life sentence should be recommended but they should also have their case reviewed after, say, 20, 25 years, uh, because both Brian and Tori are currently on two separate paths. One who is taking accountability and is looking forward to the possibility of living a productive life outside of prison, and one who is still pointing fingers and may never acknowledge uh, his role in the crime. But they're both deserving to at least be given a chance to be reviewed by a parole board. Uh, I'm pretty sure one will be deserving of a second chance at life, while the other one may never be ready for that chance. 
you know, hopefully he gets his shit together and he, and he starts like taking, you know, accepting his role in, in, the, in the whole thing. But yeah. So thank you all for spending time with me today. Uh, please let me know your thoughts in the comments. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And while you're there in the comment section, let me know if there's a video or a topic you'd love me to chill along with. Um, so that'll do it for this episode of YouTube and Chill. I hope you all have an amazing 2024. See ya.